Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Hey, good morning. It is the day after the Super Bowl, and uh, yeah, what a Super Bowl it was. You know, let's get right to it. The holding call on James Bradbury. Look, I'm not one of those that says you can't call it at that time. Yeah, you can call it at that time. If it's a penalty, call it a damn penalty, but I don't think that was a penalty. Although, ladies and gentlemen, Bradbury thought it to be a little different. Here is what James Bradbury said about the holding call that basically decided the Super Bowl. Like you pulled on it enough for that call at that time. Mm. I mean, that's not up for my judgment. You know, I, I was hoping he would let it go, but of course, you know, he's a ref. It's a big game. Um, and it was, it was a hold, so they called it. How hard is it? There you go. Now, you know the little reporter at that time in that game, she doesn't know what she's talking about because if you have a hold, you have a hold. If you have a goaltend, you have a goaltend. But the truth of the matter is I thought the referees, for the most part, stayed completely out of the game. I thought that they were actually fantastic. Yeah, I know they got to run the replay and they got to do all that kind of stuff, but I thought they were really good. And then out of the blue, out of the blue, look, people are so missing that play. If you go look at that play, Here's what happened. Mahomes was getting killed. It was going to be in his face, so he just threw it to a spot. He did. Now, people say, well, I don't think I've seen Mahomes miss a guy that open in that position. Well, you sure you have. Of course you have, particularly when a guy's getting pressured right up the middle and you got to get rid of it before, so that's out. Then the tug of the jersey, we see that all the time. Look, I am not – you can say it didn't cost the game. Of course you can say that. Of course it did. Of course it changed the outcome of the game. You know, I get it. Um, everybody's going to do what happened last week with Braden Smith and Zach Eady. Oh, the one play. Of course it costs you. Yeah. I mean, I've said this all the time. Going back to 1987, Key Smart made the shot, we win a championship. Key Smart misses the shot, we lose a championship. What are you going to do? Of course that cost. Now, they would have had a chance getting the ball back down three, but still... I mean, that was massive, and it was not a hold based on how the NFL plays, but for some reason the referee decided to call and make it a, a flag and say it was a hold. Now, <coughs> the other thing about it is the referees don't, you know, people say, well, you know, the referees are, are not here to be seen. Of course they are. They're on the field, aren't they? They're wearing different stripes than uniforms, aren't they? They bid big yellow flags, aren't they? Of course they're there to be seen. Everybody on that field is to be seen. Well, they shouldn't influence the game. Well, they don't influence the game. James Bradbury influenced the game by doing what he said, which was a hole. I mean, that's pretty simple. Really, referees just react. And I hate referees with a white-hot passion. Like, you have no idea. Like, I can't. I hate them. And I don't defend them. I got some friends that are, and I'm like, look, when you're a referee guy, I hate you. But as a guy having a beer in an airport, uh, Chili's, I'm cool, man. Oh, white-eyed passion, hate officials, hate them. And by the way, uh, I'm sorry, okay? You all can get mad at me, and I understand meathead W. I just want to get it right. Yeah, I don't want to just get it right. 
Um, frankly, frankly, replay has ruined officiating. I just want to get it right, man. Now, what happens is this, and this is from officials. What happens is officials in the back of their mind know they either have replay or replay scares them. They don't want to be the guy that sits there and misses a blatant call and then has to live with it as they show it a thousand times. Replays killed officiating, and every official tell you. Now, every meathead dub, what's wrong with getting it right? You know, they don't get it right all the time. And referees are worse because they do not, ladies and gentlemen, have the same confidence that they had before every little thing was replayed. Now, it ain't going away. I am doing my usual urinating into the wind, yelling at clouds, whatever you'd like to say about me. But the truth of the matter is, the truth of the matter is, replay sucks. Get rid of it. It's killing officials. Now, let's get to Nick Sirianni. Nick Sirianni handled the call with class. Nick Sirianni, I thought, uh, captured the nation yesterday while we were playing two different anthems to divide us, while every third commercial was some kind of justice warrior thing where white people hate black people, black people hate white people, while we're dividing everything in this country. What other nation plays two different anthems? One for this, one for those. It's idiotic, it's ridiculous, it's pandering, it sucks, but what are you going to do? I I don't even care. You get so so ridiculously... Uh, weirded out by the NFL, and then every third commercial is uh, people fighting and hating and everything else. But one guy shined through, and it was Nick Sirianni. Nick Sirianni shined through because you could tell the passion he had for his job, for being in the position that he is in, and I think, I'm not going to speak for him, but I think his country. Let's hear from Nick by crying during the anthem, and it got captured. Now, of course, it didn't get captured like, you know, if a non-middle-aged white dude didn't do it, but we get the story. We all understand the deal. Uh, But anyway, here is Sirianni after the Super Bowl about the holding call. Um, You know, I'm not, I'm not, it's not my job to, uh, you know, I mean, you'll see me on the sideline. I'm going to argue with different things of, of, of calls here and there, but it's not my job to make the call. You know, those guys got to do that in, in split second, um, you know, scenarios. Um, and so, you know, that's what he saw and he, and he called it. And so that's never, it, I, I know it always appears to be that, you know, it's one call that makes the, it's not, it's not what it is, right? It, it's not what it is. There's, there, there's so many plays that contribute to the, the end result of the game. And in, and today they were better than we were. There you go. There you go. Nick Sirianni, uh, basically is now screaming, yelling, cussing. You know what I mean? He's hostile. Now, he handled himself great, but he's in the Super Bowl. And Nick Sirianni handled that like, all right, but Nick Sirianni, I'm telling you, I'm trying to explain this to you where, yeah, I'm in front of the, uh, I'm in front of the cameras, but I'm so blanked off at that guy. I'm so blanked off at that official. I'm so crazy about that. I'm so insane about that. I'm so nuts about that. I want to break his neck. You know, blah. How do you call that? Blah, 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 blah. Now, I'm just telling you. That's where Nick Sirianni is today. That's exactly where Nick Sirianni is today. Nick Sirianni is hostile. He is hostile. 
He is very unhappy. He is egregiously angry. He couldn't be more hostile. But Nick Sirianni had to hold it in. Nick Sirianni had to say, all right, hey, look, I'm good, yo. I'm good. All right, we're good. We're good. We're good. You know, it wasn't one play. Well, it wasn't one play. But there was a number of plays in the game that influenced the game. And I got to tell you, before we get to that, Patrick Mahomes, my God, is he good. Patrick Mahomes, my God, does that dude just play? My God, he's the most fun guy to watch play football. He is, ladies and gentlemen, without question, the Steph Curry of football. He makes plays. He's loose. And how about there was no question he was going out? The MVP of the game, according to my guy Aaron, is the trainer for the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, damn, the trainer for the Kansas City Chiefs got that guy ready. And you cannot have a guy be ready if, if. He doesn't want to be ready. And I got to tell you, I I, got to tell you, my man is always wanting to play. I mean, he is always wanting to go. He is always the guy that's like, hey, I got to play. He is literally the kid in the freaking playground that is like the little brother running around hoping to get into the game. That's what he is. I'm telling you. And it's fun as hell to watch. And you know what else? I'll tell you what else. Jalen Hurts is like the best player in eighth grade. Seriously. You want to run it? Give it to Jalen. You want to throw it? Throw it to Jalen. And if I were the Chicago Bears, I'm telling you right now, I wouldn't even think about getting rid of Justin Fields because you've got a potential guy in Justin Fields that is just like Jalen Hurts, and Jalen Hurts is going to be a star quarterback in this league for a long, long time. Now, does he have the heart of Hurts? I don't know any of that. But what I do know is this. Jalen Hurts, screw whether he can throw it. He can throw it just fine. He put a ball in a receiver's hand. Sanders had dropped it at a six-yard line. It was unbelievable. That's two great quarterbacks. Yeah, I don't want to hear it. Jalen Hurts in the Super Bowl. 27 of 38, 304 yards, 70 rushes, three touchdowns in the freaking Super Bowl. Now, come on. What are we doing? It's glorious. That's not like against the Colts and a Gus Bradley defense. We'll get to the Colts in a minute. Now, I'll tell you something else about the Super Bowl. What play calling by Andy Reid? What incredible play calling. Look, I get that Eric Bieniemy for some reason, can't get a head coaching job. I, I get it. Fine. That's a hey, good. Yay, rah. And maybe he doesn't play uh, call plays, and maybe he is writing Andy Reid's coattails. I don't know. But what I do know is this. Those start running across stop, wide opening. I mean, three touchdowns walking in, in the Super Bowl against what's supposed to be the best defensive roster in the league. And they walked in for touchdowns. I want you to think about that. Yes, the holding call was bad. Yes, the fumble by Hertz was bad. But the play calling around the goal line was literally the best I have ever seen. You know how it goes around the goal line. It's like an enema. You're grunting it out around the goal line. You are, seriously. But dang, gone. I mean, the Andy Reid and the guys, they just said, no, 
No, no. No, we're just going to walk it in. We're going to fake go running this way, go back this way, catch it, and we're going to walk it in. I've never seen anything like it. 50 years of watching football, I've never seen anything like that in my entire freaking life. I've never seen anything. Best play calling around the goal line I've ever seen. And it's not even close. I, I, why? I, I, I don't know. I, let me guess. All right, let me guess. Racism. Okay, it's racism. Yeah, all right. Uh, that Eric Bieniemy can't get a job? Uh, no, it's not. Um, it's like, you know, why is it? I don't know. Maybe he's got that domestic thing, you know, years ago. I don't know. I honestly don't know. But what I do know, ladies and gentlemen, is if he has paid even a little attention, then I got to say, uh, I would hire him tomorrow to call my plays. it's unbelievable. I mean, it really is. It's unbelievable. They literally just walk in. They walk in. That's all they do. And it's incredible. Serious business. I I never seen nothing like it. All right, now, back to Hertz. Look, I don't know what to tell you, but I bet you, I bet you somewhere, somehow they outlaw that sneak. On first and goal, or a first and goal, or whatever it is, I bet you they outlaw that sneak. I bet you that somehow, some way, they tell us that sneak is too. Uh, what's the right word? It's too dangerous. There's too many people. There's something going bad with it. I don't know. You know, I I I don't know. But I guarantee you, they outlaw that sneak. Now I'm not even thinking they're going to let that thing go because let's be honest, that sneak. Uh, has a lot of people in a small area, and the fact of the matter is, I don't even think, even a little bit, that um, uh, they want that many people in one area. They want that many people in in. Uh, no, yeah. they don't want any of them. Uh, no, they don't want. I'm any just telling. I'm just telling you. I, I'm just telling you. They don't want that sneak. Uh, they don't want none of that, and that will be eliminated soon. But what a great Super Bowl! The commercials. Ah. The human blood clot, Rihanna, horrible. That's horrible. I mean, I'm sorry, but you guys can say it's great, and I'm arguing with my son, and they're calling me angry old man, and blah, blah, That's fine, but whatever that was, that was god-awful. There was nothing good about that happening. I mean, what the hell? Some big pregnant lady with a, I don't know what she's wearing, like a, a parachute. Look. We need a little skin. I need a little sexuality. I need a little bit of Justin Timberlake. You know what I mean? I need a little something, something. I got, I'm enough, enough. It's crazy. So just stop it. And away we go. No, I'm just telling you, I've had enough. I've I've had all I can of these halftime shows where everybody tells me, oh my God, she looks so beautiful. No, I didn't. That looked ridiculous. That looked idiotic. That looked stupid. I mean, look, I get it. All the little gnomes running around were great, but she's lip singing. I mean, if you're a performer, aren't you supposed to perform? I don't know. I'm sure I'm wrong. Uh, I'm sure I'm fat, old, and racist, and angry, whatever. But that was as bad as I've ever seen. Maybe the worst that I've ever seen. No, I think it was the worst that I've ever seen. I do. I think so. I think so. Yeah. And you guys can get mad at me, but I think a lot of you would agree with me. 
I thought it was boring. I thought it had nothing interesting about it. And I thought that it was a waste of money and a waste of time. And I don't know whose money and I don't know whose time it is. But I felt like, what are we doing here? Uh, We got a big blood clot. Uh, I don't even know what she was doing. Not singing. No energy. And you all are going to tell me it was great because that's what you do. Uh, It's horrible. Give me Bruno Mars. Uh, Give me Janet Jackson and Justin Timberlake. Uh, Give me, I'll I'll take holograms of Prince before I watch that crap. And look, let's be honest. There's no creativity in Hollywood anymore. I'm just bitching right now. There's no creativity in Hollywood anymore. You tell me. Tell me. What did they have? What was a commercial that was so good? Well, I like Tony Roma. Of course you do. I mean, what was freaking Serena Williams doing? Or she's giving us a speech from any given Sunday for what? Some kind of booze? That was horrible. Is Serena Williams now the next? I mean, I get it. We got Jeter. Now, is Serena Williams what we got to do next? You guys are nuts. Thank God for me. But back to the play calling. When's the last time you've ever seen a team come to the line three different times against a great defense and literally walk in with nobody around them? Nobody was around them. Nobody was in the vicinity. How good was that? I want you to think about that just for a second. How good was that? No, 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 no. Time out. My first time out of the day. That wasn't good. That was freaking great. That wasn't kind of, sort of, maybe good. That was freaking awesome. Seriously. That was unbelievable. I mean, they literally walked into the end zone, untouched, from the goal line, in the Super Bowl, against what is supposed to be the best roster in the NFL. Did we hear the name Riddick, Hassan Riddick? You know what he's crying about today? He's crying about the field. The field's no good. All right, well, the field is no good. They keep bringing this guy out, the Todd father. No, not the Todd father, the sod father, George Toma from Kansas City. And every year the field sucks. And then we got a bunch of idiots running around on the field, lip singing, and it tears it up even more. Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, I should dictate policy in all things this world. I do. The most idiotic is Patrick Mahomes, a Hall of Famer right now. And they just let Joe Clacko in. And I just want you to think about that for a second. They, they let Joe Clacko in. I mean, Joe Clacko? All right. I, I guess. Patrick Mahomes has been Super Bowl MVP a few times. I mean, he's been the league's MVP. I mean, What? So that's, new, that's now the new argument. Uh, should we let, uh, do we have, will we have, if he quits, Patrick Mahomes in the Hall of Fame? Huh? <laughs> what? <laughs> you think? Hey, get Joe Clacko, Chuck Howley are in there. I think Patrick Mahomes would be a Hall of Famer. The other one that's coming up for you Colts fans is Andrew Luck. Oh, my God. Wait, not Jonathan Hutton, but I got more. I got a lot more. 
College basketball this weekend. Uh, College basketball this weekend was incredible. It's always incredible. I've been sitting here. Northwestern, Purdue folks are mad, right? Because the referee screwed us. Hey, look, your dude is seven foot four, 320 pounds. He gives it like he gets it. Oh, I hear that. That's crap. Tennessee lost on two buzzer beaters last week, which means they got two buzzer beaters coming. Iowa State uh, rolled, excuse me, Oklahoma State, who looks pretty good under Michael Boynton, rolled Iowa State in Hilton Coliseum. I've been in Hilton Coliseum. I've seen Hilton Magic. It ain't that great. Played there. It's all right. Kansas State's starting to go down a little bit. They had that big win over Kansas. And, of course, my Hoosiers have now won seven of eight. And I got to tell you, John, John Beeline, and I, and I said this the other day, and I didn't really mean it as a slap to Juwan Howard, but John Beeline used to be the best in the country at getting the right player a shot, a layup, whatever, uh, late in the game, out of a timeout. And, man, were they god-awful. I mean, god-awful Michigan was in that game. But Indiana's really good, and Trace Jackson Davis is making a move towards being player of the year. I think Zach Eady will win it from Purdue. And they get ready to play against each other on the 24th. Look, it's late in the season. Purdue's crap in the bed. And Braden Smith and Zach Eady, last week we started a firestorm. Well, they, all, they, both, they both didn't play worth a damn uh, down the stretch. They both turned the ball over. So you know what? What are you going to do? It happens on the road. Northwestern kids uh, got to celebrate. But it was a terrific weekend in college basketball. It really was. Uh, Kentucky looked abysmal. Kentucky fans are mad. Kentucky has mid-major players. The place is about ready to blow up. The world is insane in Kentucky. Everybody's mad in Kentucky. They should be because, well, frankly, they're used to winning more than what they're going to win. Maybe they'll get a home game in the the NIT. It's fun when Kentucky and Purdue, or not Purdue, Purdue's great, but it's fun when Kentucky stinks. I like when Kentucky stinks. I think it's wonderful when Kentucky stinks. I do. I do. So there you go. Oh, I'm sorry. Jonathan Hutton's good to go. My bad. Is Jonathan there? I'm sorry. I got a whole messed up deal here today on my screen. My bad, Jay Hutton. How are you? Dan, I'm fine. I'm listening to the show like I normally would, so it's all good. You're telling me that um, they are, they're using the same guy that does the field every year for the Super Bowl? George Toma, every year. Every year they talk about how great yeah, he is. Issue. He's retiring this year. Total, it, it, it's a big issue, Dan, uh, the field. They, they put the paint down, um, and it, it's – slippery it's you know slick in some spots you can see the guy's footing um and it's not like they get out there on that field prior to anything they do on game day no one gets around that stadium so yeah i, I don't like that the fact that they put that paint it's the same issue that they have in canton remember they had to cancel that game because of the paint and they're doing it for their biggest game of the year too you saw this. They've been growing this grass at Oklahoma State for three years. They've been growing this grass. And they, they somehow with lasers and rollers, they put it down just before uh, the game. And everybody was bragging about it. In fact, the PGA Tour was bragging about it on Twitter, how PGA Tour helped grow this grass. And people were saying, well, I wouldn't brag about that, brother. You know what I mean? Yeah, but then they put this paint down all over it. That, I think that's the issue. It's not the... 
you know, not the Oklahoma State grass. It's uh, whatever they're doing with the paint the day before. Uh, and it was the same same deal with the turf that's in Canton. So I th- they've got to find a remedy for that. I realize both teams play on the same surface, but uh, when you have your high-paid athletes out there sliding around and can't get their footing and a kicker can't even kick the uh, uh, kickoff through the end zone because he's, slip, he's sliding as he plants his foot, yeah, the NFL can do a lot better than that. Yeah, that's bad business. Uh, I, I was talking about this earlier. You know, Play calling is really important, and I'm not sure that I have seen three walk-in touchdowns like we saw from Andy Reid. I guess I got to give Eric Bieniemy credit too. I think he's the offense. It was astounding to me how far ahead Andy Reid was than what was going on with the Eagles around the goal line. Yeah, and you know the misdirection of the the players in motion where in the, the zones that Philadelphia was setting up, they didn't allow a lot of yards after the catch. But down near the goal line, they were following receivers, and then the cutback lanes were wide open when they would motion in the opposite direction. It's a great plan. Um, and, and Mahomes had plenty of time when he needed it. The offensive line did a, a fantastic job. And uh, up front, Philadelphia, with 78 sacks on the season, Kansas City pitched a shutout on sacks, and he did it yet again on that bum ankle. It was a phenomenal performance, and it starts with the coaching staff. You mentioned Bienemy, also Matt Nagy is there, and of course Andy Reid, who gets another Super Bowl against his former team. All right, um, what did you think? Bradbury said hold. You know, Sirianni handled it with class and grace. What did you think? You know, in the in the regular season, based on the crew, you're going to get that call. Sometimes you're not going to get that call. And with the all-star crews that they have, they're going to call like they did in the regular season. However, that, that ended the game. I think the average fan would say, yeah, we're not going to call that. And uh, a shout out to uh, the, the Fox crew that said, you know what, that you can't call that in this moment. I lean that way. Um, that that was uh, it wasn't an egregious error. It was just a momentum killer in what was the tie football game, which was uh, an, setting up to be an incredible finish. So penalty by by the law, by the book, and what they've stressed in the last two off seasons when it comes to defensive holding and illegal contact downfield, you can work your way into saying, okay, they they made the right call in the moment. Was it the right call? I don't think so. Because it set up a game-winning field goal, yes, but at the same time, sucked the air and all the energy out of the building for what was going to be a, a, a miraculous finish one way or the other for both quarterbacks. You know, one of the things that I thought all year, and I, it was refreshing yesterday until that call, like, John, I think we've talked about this. When a great play or a play happens, I always look on the bottom right to see if that little yellow thing is there to say a flag. We've yeah. seen flags so many all year long. Yesterday, it was really odd to me that we saw a flag in that situation. You know what I mean? It was almost like yeah. they told them, all right, whittle this down. Or maybe these teams are just the best teams and they don't get penalized. I don't know. <laughs> well, they, I think after the AFC and NFC championship games, the officials did not want to be the story. Right? right? Mm-hmm. Like they, Everyone's coming. All the, 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 the memes that were coming in about the NFL is rigged. They're following a script. Uh, you got everyone from... 
me, you, and Chad to Arian Foster making fun of them for, for how they handled the communication elements of the, of the games two weeks ago. So last night, I think they kept the flags in the pocket. Um, again, it's, it's tough to see an offensive line play as well as Kansas City did at times with uh, as many holding penalties as we've seen throughout the year, game to game, week to week. But I, I want a Super Bowl played like that. I, I want the obvious flags thrown. And then keep the like they did for the majority of the game, keep the flags in your pocket and let the let the guys handle it on the field. Yeah, no, 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 I agree. All right. Uh, a lot of people thinking that Jalen Hurts should have been at least co-MVP. Victor to Victor goes to spoils, but Hurts was great. Hurts was awesome. And, you know, it, I feel bad for him until I realize that he's gonna make a gazillion dollars and he'll he'll be just fine. <laughs> Uh, off his contract. Uh, look, he he set a Super Bowl record with three rushing touchdowns by a quarterback. He scores the the game time two point conversion with what five minutes left in the game, and you know the the defense that has picked them up at times throughout the year could not get pressure on Mahomes when Mahomes got the ball back. But look, he's he's winning. He's just not winning the Super Bowl yet. I, I thought he had a phenomenal year. Um, Mahomes playing on the ankle is a part of that storyline. Mahomes was the MVP of the game. And you can go co-MVP all you want to. The The better quarterback is on the screen right now in, in number 15. Great job. And Hurts has a chance to ascend to this type of level. Um, what, second Super Bowl win for, for Patrick Mahomes. And now Jalen Hurts is coming back with a loaded roster yet again. So I... There's no reason to think he's not back in the NFC Championship game with a chance to go to Las Vegas for the Super Bowl a year from now. You know, it's funny. I was talking about it before you came on. I was like, okay, people are questioning or asking, is Mahomes a Hall of Famer right now? And I'm like, look, I remember Chuck Howley. I remember Joe Klecko, but they were never MVPs of Super Bowl. So just stop it. Hell yeah, Mahomes is a Hall of Famer uh, right now. Yes. I would argue this, Jonathan, I, I, I don't know that he's going to touch Brady's record, and I don't know that Andy Reid's ever going to coach another game, but a second Super Bowl and what they just did, I, if you can elevate a guy more, you know, I don't know how you do it because that puts him in, in some rarefied air, at least in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I think you can begin the conversation based on last night's win of of where it puts Mahomes and if he's in within reach of Brady. I mean, he's, what, 27 years old. He is the first Super Bowl um, to win multiple MVPs and multiple Super Bowls, uh, first quarterback to do it in his first six seasons. Look, he, he's he's within reach of making a run towards Brady, right? He's not close to Brady seven but he's 27. Brady played until he was 45. And it, nowadays, with the way they, they protect the quarterback, the way the rules are set up, the way things are going in Kansas City, the long-term contracts, the Chiefs have the second youngest roster in the NFL on average. And they have their quarterback set up long-term. So, yes, I, I, I think we can begin that conversation. And it ties into Brady because Brady retires – and we start splitting his his career up into thirds. And you could argue that not just halves, but split it up into thirds. And each of those areas uh, of his career are Hall of Fame worthy. And yes, Mahomes is right there. You know, you and I and, and Chad, and we've discussed the similarities 
between the Colts. You know, there's uncertainty at quarterback. The Titans, uncertainty at quarterback. Really good running back, but no real weapons on the outside. This hit me yesterday. You know, they got a million guys. They draft Pachero or Chenko, whatever the hell his name is, and then they go ahead and pick up Kadarius Toney. It's like Andy Reid has figured out what you and I have talked about all year long. If you don't have weapons, it drives me nuts about my Colts paying a generational left guard. I don't care about a left guard. I care about weapons. I need more speed, Chad. Or uh, Jonathan, I need speed. Well, think about yeah, speed kills, and you got to be able to run the football and stop the run and, and get after the quarterback. Uh, but it starts with the way you set this up with your franchise QB. And on the offensive line, after their second Super Bowl appearance, um, KC revamped their entire front. They they went out and got Trey Smith in the draft, a six-round pick, and the O-line to start the season was young. It was new, some first-time NFL starters. And two rookies were starting that season. And it took a while to gel and come together. And the Chiefs got off to a very slow start. And then they end up back in the AFC Championship game. A year later, they get over the hump against Cincinnati. They're back in the Super Bowl. And they have a very contract-friendly offensive front with uh, the best players being paid. And that being Mahomes and Kelsey. And then they're bringing other guys in. They let Tyreek Hill, speaking of speed, they let Tyreek Hill walk. They traded him and replaced him with guys with incentive-lative contracts that cashed in last night. And then they trade for Kadarius Toney right before the trade deadline, and it was moments like these where he has the longest punt return in Super Bowl history that sets up Kansas City to punch their ticket to another win. They're third for their franchise, second with Mahomes, and Andy Reid, uh, after winning, uh, gets another one and, and does it, and he says he's coming back. They're, they're not going anywhere anytime soon. No, they're not. And I'm glad to hear he's coming back because it, it, it is fascinating. Um, when you when, when the football season is over, all right? Best team won. I think it's hard to argue that, right? Best yeah. team, best team won. Best team is still positioned to win again. Um, who do you see right now, or what do you see? Like, I see the Bears. If I'm the Bears. I wouldn't get rid of Justin Fields. I would, I would use Jalen Hurts as my template. Like, what, what, what do you see next year uh, as we head to the offseason from different teams? Well, I, I think in, first and foremost, with what you have to do defensively or what teams try to do defensively against Kansas City is you've got to be able to rush with four. Both of those teams last night can get after the quarterback with four linemen. You can cover with seven. You can blitz with a fifth. You can do different things as long as you're consistent with four rushers. And part of it is just pure luck, where you're positioned in the draft to get the guy. Part of it is also realizing who that player is. And, you know, you mentioned the Bears. The Bears could have drafted Patrick Mahomes. In fact, they told Pat Mahomes, his father, they told him that they were going to draft Patrick Mahomes and didn't. They went with Mitch Trubisky. So, you know, a, a lot of times it's, well, it's where they draft. Everyone's drafting high. The Colts had to suck to go get luck. And that's true. But also, there are also general managers who are just not that good. And they don't address the talent the same way. Uh, I think organizationally, you are seeing – Owners that are looking at both of those organizations, not just from like 
the coaching, but from the player personnel side of things and identifying how they go about being who they are and why they're so consistent. That's why San Francisco has lost a couple of guys to other front offices. Kansas City is a great example of having coaches. Mike Kafka, who was in KC last year, ends up in New York and goes and teams up with Brian Dayball, and now he's getting head coaching interviews. But the ties are back to Kansas City. Chicago's new general manager is from Kansas City. Um, that, that There's no coincidence in that. Jonathan Gannon and others for Philadelphia are getting interviews. And we may see the next, you know, Colts head coach come from that same line of thinking. Point being, it is about the players, but it's about the structure and the consistency of the organization. And I think that's what's so impressive is KC, uh, we're starting to see it from Cincinnati with what they're doing, San Francisco and Philadelphia. You could put some of those, some of those teams in pencil right now of consistency and with general managers who, by the way, they're, they're really good. They're going to get better because they draft well. So they're only going to get better. It's not like they're going to start sucking in the draft uh, b- because everyone else is trying to copy what they're doing. They're going to continue to do their ways, and they'll find those players to piece together. Well, it was a fun deal. I would have loved to have seen uh, – you got to make a longer field goal. I would have loved to have seen what Hurts could have done if he had some time. It would have set up a hell of an ending, man. Yeah. A hell of a – I applaud everybody for saying it was a hold, and I applaud the way the Eagles did it, but I just didn't think it was as egregious as what it made out to be. But the hell do I know? I would have loved to have seen the opportunity, you. though. I agree with you, Dan. It was – in that moment, it was just kind of a, I, I, you know, it's just a sigh. It's like, oh, man, that just ended everything. You know, they're going to bleed this down. And yeah, it said this classic finish that it was setting up to be at 35-35 after the two-point conversion. It was it, Chiefs won at fair and square. But I would have loved to see uh, Philadelphia with a bit more time on the clock there. Yeah, I think it would have had everybody like this, everybody at the end of the, at the edge of their seat. You know, I mean, yeah. I, and that's what you kind of want. All right, my friend, thank you for the time. Thank you as always, Dan. I'll be enjoying the show here in Nashville. All right, Nash Vegas, baby. All right, we come back. I got to talk about the Colts' new head coach, possibly new head coach. More on the Super Bowl. Did you know? That a college basketball program, a Division I major college basketball program, just shut down its basketball program? I mean, shut it down. Colts' new coach, or at least who they say is going to be the new coach, thoughts next. Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this. All right, welcome back. Uh, We got a YouTube chat question. YouTube chat is absolutely pumping today. How many times the Eagles could have been called for delay of game? Man. All right. So there was a few times, right? Probably three or four. And one of the times, it was like two seconds. Here's what I've been told. You got to see it, communicate it, call it. Like referees act like calling that is, uh, I don't know, an act of God. Like it's one of the hardest things in the world to do. And I'm thinking to myself, is it really? I mean, is it really one of the hardest things to do? Like, you go and you see and you anticipate and you call and you throw the flag. That's it. Somebody, you got 8 million officials out there. All somebody got to do is look up, shot clock's at zero, poop, that's it. They got the playoff top. But, man, you're right about that. That was a 
ton. Look, I thought overall it was a well-played Super Bowl. I thought overall both teams, I thought it was fun. Uh, I, I, I'm not going to lie to you. I thought that the halftime show stunk. I thought that the commercials were fine. I'm sure I'm an old grouch. Uh, my son called me old, angry, bald man because he thought Rihanna was great. Maybe I'm just not old enough. I totally get it. I do. I get it. I am too old. I am too stupid. I don't get it. But a big old blob looking like a blood clot that can't move is sitting there pregnant. Hey, look, I get it. Pregnancy's beautiful. I get it. <clears throat> Great. I don't want it on my halftime show. I need a little sexuality, baby. Yeah. I mean, and don't at me about that. Don't call me a pig because I'll tell you what. Why do you think people dress that way to get looked at? OnlyFans is making women millions of dollars. What, to be gawked at? Just stop it. Why do we even know who Paula Gretzky is? What do you mean? Because she takes off her clothes. Just stop it. Let's get real here. But instead, I watched a big balloon. It looked like Satan's blood clot out there. And that couldn't move. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, I oh, you're racist. No, I'm not. Hey, look, I like Rihanna's voice. I like her music. But, hey, aren't performers supposed to perform? Not just walk around while everybody else performs? Stop it. Give me Bruno Mars. Uh, who else would I like to see? I don't know. Kid Rock. <laughs> Bruno Mars with Kid Rock. But, you know, you couldn't do that because you got to get some rap guy in there so that we all, you know, whatever. I don't know. This world's crazy. Bruno Mars with Kid Rock. I thought Chris Stapleton. I thought Babyface, Fresh Face, whatever the hell his name is. I thought he was good. Uh, I don't understand why a country would ever have two different national anthems. I get the appeasement. I do. <laughs> so that lady was yelling, look at that. It's a human blood clot. I don't know. It is. I mean... That's what, that's whatever I would wear a red jacket with red pants to practice. That's what we wore in Indiana. Rod Frelly would call me, he's like a blood clot. Or if I had yellow on he'd tell me I look like a school bus. <laughs> Just telling you, that outfit. I mean, a pregnant woman walking around for the Super Bowl. All right, hey, you guys do what you guys want to do. Uh, Shane Steichen is going to be the new head coach of our beloved Indianapolis Colts. Look. Uh, I'm all in on Shane Steichen. He's offensive coordinator. He's, you know, all the stupid stuff that idiots say in the media. Well, you know, he's bloodlines. My guy Greg Doyle says, well, that's the guy I wanted all along. No, that idiot wanted Greg Roman and Lamar Jackson. Roman got fired. That's how stupid this idiot columnist is, Doyle, here in our town. But anyway, so this guy Steichen comes, and, well, you know, he developed Jalen Hurts. Really? Okay. Why didn't he develop Carson Wentz? That's what I heard. He developed Jalen Hurts. Oh, all right. Well, what happened to Carson Wentz? I mean, Carson Wentz was the starter. So, look, our, uh, our survivor of a general manager, the great Chris Ballard, survives again. He is on his not one, not two, not three, not four, but fifth, count him, fifth head coach. And now it's time for Jeff Saturday to go be like Dan Orvlowski, jump up and down on Greenberg's show, act like an idiot, and tell us all how great you are. That's, that's, just go. Saturday, go. Uh, and don't, hey, I'll tell you this. If you're the Colts and Jeff Saturday leaves the building, check the petty cash drawer. Telling you right now, check the petty cash drawer.
Because it's like my brother says, my brother does big time meetings. He says, anytime I go to a business meeting, not a church meeting, a business meeting, and the dude leading it starts with a prayer, I walk out backwards, holding on to my wallet because I know this guy's about ready to stick it to me. Well, that's exactly Jeff Saturday. Don't let the door hit you where the good Lord splits you, Jeff Saturday. Uh, out. This guy in, young stud, here we go. Uh, I'm all in, but I don't want to hear how clever. Look, in Indianapolis, Chris Ballard does not get the benefit of the doubt. Uh, He does not. He does not get the benefit of the doubt. Uh, The idiots in our local media will give you the benefit, will give him the benefit of the doubt. I will not. He does not deserve the benefit of the doubt. He doesn't. He has, ladies and gentlemen, now gotten his fifth, fifth, fifth uh, coach. My man Grigson won with one and a half coaches. He won. He went fifty-two and thirty-four with Arians without a, without a offensive coordinator, an owner who was in jail and suspended, and they went 12, 11, 12 games. And then he wins with Pagano. I'm just telling you, this guy Ballard is a survivor. I've told you this for years. He does not get the benefit of the doubt. And I would assume that this guy that he is hiring is going to be awful. He may be the greatest guy ever. He may be the smartest guy ever. We may go, yay, Rod, you're going to hear glowing things from the local yokel media. But Chris Ballard does not get the benefit of the doubt, in my mind, in Indianapolis, for hiring anybody, much less a coach. He does not get the benefit of the doubt. Uh, He doesn't. He has been awful. He has been ridiculous. And frankly, uh, he shouldn't have a job. But I like him. I do. I do. I I like him. But he is a survivor, and that's it. He will tell you about Jeff Van Gundy. Jeff Van Gundy is like his hero. Oh, great. What's Jeff Van Gundy done other than pull the leg of some freaking uh, Alonzo Mourning? I mean, just stop with stupid stuff. So I hope this guy is great. He looks like a young up-and-comer. He's going to be smart. Uh, He'll probably do a fantastic job. But you cannot give any of these guys that come into Indy the benefit of the doubt because this is a house not built on toughness. This is a house built on sand. So while every other slappy in the media is going to tell you this guy's great, and I hope he is, he can't be great as we sit here right now because Chris Ballard hired him. And Chris Ballard has not made one single good hire in his time as the general manager of the Indianapolis Colts. Not one. And I don't give a damn what they're telling you on Indy Radio. I don't give a damn what they're telling you in the paper. I've been shooting you straight for 14 years about this. Chris Ballard does not get the benefit of the doubt. This guy must stink until proven differently. That's it. I don't want to hear about it. The Waste Management Open was freaking awesome. Scotty Scheffler is the man. Uh, but I got to tell you something. You're not going to like this either. No Dustin Johnson. No Cam Smith. Uh, no Phil Mickelson, uh, no what's Brooks Kepka. The leaderboard stinks. Look, Nick Taylor, all right. Justin Thomas, eh, all right. Jason Day, what, 10 years ago, good? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, they're good. That's fine. 
But boy, that live tour did bite in. It hit me. I know I'm wrong. I know everybody's going to say I'm wrong. But that live tour has cut into the watchability of golf. I don't care what you tell me. It's a fun tournament. Highest attended tournament of the year. It's great. I get it. Wonderful. But damn. <coughs> Looking at that leaderboard. And Justin Thomas got there late. He didn't do anything. There's really nobody that you go, man, I really want to see how plays. Tiger Woods is going to play next week, so I'll watch. Tiger Woods could take a dump and I'd watch. You kidding me? All right, this is a disturbing story. This is a disturbing story, and there's more to it, and you're not hearing any of it. Greg Heyer is the head coach at New Mexico State. Greg Heyer used to be. There's like a, there's a, there's a little, uh, there's a little mafia. There's a little mafia of like, um, these guys that were at uh, Chipotle College, you Indiana fans will remember Chipotle, Chipotle or whatever the hell it's called, Chipola. That is the home of that fat-ass DeAndre uh, Thomas and the drug-doing pimp uh, Marcus, DeMar- LaMarcus Ellis or whatever the hell his name is. I can't remember his name. And I coached DeMarcus, LaMarcus, I don't even know. So that's the home. So you got all these guys. You got all these little guys that came out of this place, all right? They came out of Chipotle. Chipotle. I got one, a kid named Brian Hamlin, nice kid. Well, all these little guys are now coaching across the country. Greg Heyer is one of them, all right? Greg Heyer is a guy that has, you know, busted around. He's been different places. He was a head coach at Chipotle. Chipotle, whatever the hell his name is. So he takes over the New Mexico job. Okay, he takes over the New Mexico job. This year, they're 9-15, and New Mexico State. So he takes the job over for a guy that was at at Bowling Green, a really good coach. He's coaching his brains out. He's a Chipotle guy, Chipotle, whatever the hell their name is. All right. His name is Chris Jan. Chris Jans got fired at Bowling Green for, like, grabbing girls while he's married. So they fire him. He goes on a little sabbatical. Next thing you know, he goes to New Mexico State. These guys all go back to Chipola Junior College, all right, where they were dirtbags. In fact, I can't remember if it was Jans or it was higher that I said, look, I think you're fixing transcripts. Uh, what are you doing? I ain't going to jail for you. Either send me the kids real transcripts or let me end the conversation. I don't know where they were or not, but they were dirtbags. I could tell. So Jans resurrects his career at uh, New Mexico State, and he takes off because he knows that's a dead-end place in Las Cruces, and now he's at Mississippi State, and everybody says he's a great coach. Great. Well, all of a sudden, less than a year later, his former program, now run by his assistant, is being shut down after they had a shooting where the coach – told the team to get out of town. Now, this shutdown isn't over the shooting. It's over a bunch of, quote, hazing incidents. Now, you tell me this just started with this guy higher and didn't start with Jans? These guys are incredible dirtbags. Or at least, allegedly. At least I always felt that way in dealing with them. I always felt these guys, look, the one guy gets kicked out of Bowling Green. He was a great coach. People liked him. Everybody likes Chris. 
But these guys are, they're like incestuous in college basketball, these little Chipola, Chipola guys. I'm telling you, they're little incestuous guys that don't care about anything other than their little careers. So now that guy, Jans, escaped, and now back in New Mexico State, they're shutting down the program with Jans' assistant, Greg Heyer. And you know what? I've never seen a program shut down in the middle of the season for hazing. I've never seen a program that went from a murder to hazing, and now we're shutting down. I've never seen it, ever, never. But you won't see one college basketball right uh, right or right about it because they all like these guys. They're nice guys. The chancellor came in and shut down the basketball program. I want you to think about that for a second. I never seen it. And I worked for Calvin Sampson. I remember telling, I don't know if it was that guy or the other guy, Jazz. I go, hey, man, look, I don't know. I'm not, I close my door. I go, I don't know what you guys are doing with transcripts. This is like 20 years ago. I got, and I don't care. You do whatever, but you ain't doing it with me. Either give me what this guy's got and give it to me now or I'm done. I, well, you know, I, there's no, there's no, well, you know, oh man. Hey, look, I understand. That's why I'm out of coaching and these guys are thriving because they'll do crap. But man, oh man, Jans and hire. When I saw it, I was like, oh, I'm shocked. What a shock. I didn't know that Hire had become the head coach. These little Chipola guys or whatever the hell the place is called just make you nuts. Chipotle, Q-Dub, Kinzo, I don't know. I did like Miami subs. That's from the YouTube chat. What is it? Chipola. Chipola. P-O-L-L-A. Indiana fans remembered LaMarcus, Jamarcus Ellis. Jamarcus Ellis. <laughs> and big fat DeAndre Thomas. Uh, don't get mad that I say big fat DeAndre Thomas. That's what I called him. Uh, when I was a head coach, my last day or last days in Indiana, I kicked Jamarcus Ellis and uh, Armand Bassett off because they were drug doing little weasels. And uh, I'd had enough. I'd, I'd suspended Mar- uh, Ellis before and blah, 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 blah. And I walked by uh, big fat. DeAndre Thomas, and I said, you know what? I said, I hope I get one more day, because if I'm here tomorrow, your fat ass is next. They just had to. They just had to. Absolutely had to go. (laughs) I'm telling you. All right, America's conscience. Bobby Barak is going to join us coming up here in a minute. There's new info. My wife said it best, ladies and gentlemen. We are headed towards aliens and we are headed to dawn of the day. Do you know all the stuff that's being shot out of the sky? And why in the hell do we have two national anthems? I mean, what are we doing? One nation under God, indivisible. Well, the NFL, let's divisible and give you, hey, look, I'd like a Serbian national anthem, please. Something for the hardworking Eastern Europeans that came over and worked in the factories, were treated poorly. A little something for the Serbs, Croats, anything. I mean, honest to God, it's almost like the, if you're liberal, you got to try to divide us. You're making me crazy. Let's talk to the America's conscious. Bobby Barak next. Let's go. That's it. I got to take a break. We'll be right back with more on Don't At Me across the Outkick Network. All right, America's conscious, and I call him America's conscious because he's the only one with a set of, as Bill Raftery calls him, onions to call out what needs to be called out here in America. Um, I want to get into this. Look, I'm not, I'm for everybody, but 
Only America, I guess. We are, I don't know, are we good enough, smart enough, woke enough, dumb enough, divisive enough to have two national anthems? There's not another nation in the world that would do this. I'm tired of hearing about unity and bringing people together when we go with two national anthems. Yeah, the the people who speak most about equality and bringing us together seem to be, Dan, the people most obsessed with making us a more racist society. I mean, think of what happened yesterday. So the Super Bowl is going to have 100, 110 million viewers. A lot of viewers who are young and they're going to ask their parents, hey, why are there two national anthems? And they're going to have to explain and say, well, that's the black national anthem. The one you hear later, that's the other national anthem. So those kids, maybe five, six, seven years old, they're going to have to wonder, wait a minute, why are we separating national anthems on the basis of skin color? And that was my issue with most of the Super Bowl coverage this week by all of the networks. They kept honoring Mahomes and Jalen Hurts as black quarterbacks, referring to them as minority quarterbacks. Again, that is a demand to tell sports fans and viewers of all ages to look at athletes, look at humans on the basis of their skin color. Damn, we say we're progressing towards a more colorblind society. I would argue we're doing precisely the opposite because 10 years ago, I never even considered the race of athletes. It, was, it wasn't at the forefront of the conversation. Now there is a demand to look at everybody by their skin color. I think the best way to put this is five years ago, if Johnny went to the market, we would say Johnny went to the market. Today, we say Johnny, who is a white male, went to the market. Those um, sentences in between the commas, that's what matters most, the skin color and gender of the subject at hand. I find that pretty unfortunate because that is making a C color where it does not matter. Yeah, you know, and, and immediately somebody would say, you or I, for having this discussion, we're racist. This really doesn't have that much to do with race. It really has to do with exposing a false narrative that for whatever the reason is out there from our media, from Hollywood and others. Yeah, I mean, it goes back to the whole point of the anti-racists who say they're fighting racists tend to be the most racist people. And those who push back on the racialization of society are most often vilified as the racist. So translation, if you see race and talk about race, you're not a racist. But if you say this shouldn't be about race, then you are the racist. I mean, talk about a backward society. The more you see race, the less racist you are, according to the people who define these terms. So you're absolutely right. Saying that the skin color shouldn't matter for a national anthem or the skin color of athletes shouldn't matter. All of a sudden, that is a racist standpoint. But pushing for division, which really is the idea of these two national anthems to say, okay, this is for black Americans, this is for everybody else. The end result there is not, that doesn't make us more inclusive because you're excluding everybody from the one national anthem. I always say diversity and inclusion is actually about exclusion. It's about setting one group to a higher standard and punishing the other groups. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I did not pay attention to Twitter about that. What, 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 where were we with that? Where, where, where were we on Twitter? The, you know, the, the, the whatever of America. Were people good, bad? How'd that go? 
Um, you know, I tweeted about it, um, discussing this topic and the feedback I mostly got is you are racist. How dare you try to take the black national anthem away from black people? So again, there was a Twitter mob that wanted to punish and frighten anybody who didn't appreciate having two national anthems supposedly in the name of racial equality. Um, but that's Twitter. I, I, Dana, I believe most people in America were like, wait a minute. Why is there two national anthems? What are we accomplishing here? But of course, online in the media, it's just the greatest thing ever to point out the race and separate us by um, songs before a big football game. But I'm pretty confident that most people in America were either A, confused, just had no idea what this song is even about, or two said, hmm, that, is, that seems pretty counterproductive to have two national anthems as we try to fight against racism. Yeah, people will say, well, you know, what, what, what's the big deal? Hey, look, if, if we want a united country, then let's unite or not. We've, we're shooting things down in the air. I saw somebody say, well, you know, in peacetime, we've shot down eight or four objects in the air. My thought is maybe we're not at peacetime. What the hell's going on here with unidentified flying objects over the United States or around the United States having to get shot down? Yeah, and the one yesterday, Lake Huron, is right over by me in my neck of the woods. So uh, that was pretty interesting to see that. So, I mean, either Joe Biden is not letting us know what's going on or he doesn't know. Um, I mean, it's wild what's going on. And when I saw that yesterday, again, I, I live over by Lake Huron. I turned on the news and the live coverage was on CNN. So I watched CNN and right away these supposed experts come on and they say, Maybe this is Russia. Maybe this is Russia trying to divide the U.S. and China. Um, so I think that's where the media's heading is, is trying to um, take blame away from China for what they did with the balloon and trying to put these new supposedly unidentified objects on Russia to stoke that fear. Um, I think this is a pretty amazing story, um, especially the way it's been covered. Like right after that segment, they bring on another supposed aircraft expert. and He's like, well... We're just looking for these more. This probably happened all throughout the Trump administration, even to a higher degree. Like what? There's no, there's no proof of that. I mean, maybe we are looking for it to a higher degree because of what happened with the balloon in China. But to just deflect the blame away from China and Joe Biden and try to put it on Russia and Trump is pretty amazing. And dare I say, pretty hilarious. Yeah, it is. I, I mean, why? Why? Well, I think I know why. I mean, we just do what we do, right? We we got to blame Trump. Somehow it's got to go to Trump. Hey, I don't care. But in my, you know, I'm old. In my lifetime, and maybe this has happened a bunch, but it didn't happen four objects in eight days. And I think we would all, you know, we're going to normalize this now, aren't we? Well, the airspace over Indiana is closed or Lake Michigan or Lake. We're going to start normalizing this because that's what we do. Of course. And um, I mean, that goes back to what I've written about really at length the past two years of the manipulation of the conversation about how these news outlets and influence are able to normalize and propagate really any idea. And all of a sudden now we're just going to normalize this. And Dan, I don't think it's normal because I never remember this happening so close together and having China spy on us. I mean, I find that pretty frightening and dangerous. So this is not a conversation I think should be normalized. And, and I, honestly, if this did happen during the Trump administration, as CNN claimed yesterday, I mean, 
that's a problem. And I think we need to get to the bottom of it. But to me, this is less about politics as much as a national security issue. So to see the media come together and just try to totally rig the conversation again is so telling of where we are in 2023. You wrote a great article, uh, Tyree Nichols' death. The, the, the article is basically Tyree Nichols' death doesn't prove white supremacy. It proves a need to inflame the fear of white supremacy. Uh, walk me through that, will you? Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, so all throughout the really, let's, okay, let's go back to the body cam footage, which was released just now over two weeks ago. Um, the, the reaction publicly was he was a black man. This is proof of white supremacy. And you had media pundits. And I lay it out in that column say, well, even though five black officers killed him, it's the systemic racism of the police force that turns black officers into black white supremacists. Now, you probably think me saying that is me being dramatic and hyperbolic. No, no, no. It's in there. Those are the exact words that Van Jones and Jamel Hill and the Boston Globe printed in the aftermath of that body cam footage. So to me, this has nothing to do with white supremacy. But what it shows is there is such a demand to stoke that fear because of all the advantages people gain during times of racial tensions. Um, go back to what happened in the aftermath of George Floyd's death, which, by the way, nobody wants to talk about it. There is still no proof Derek Chauvin killed George Floyd because of his skin color. But all we know, Derek Chauvin was a bad cop, an incompetent officer who acted recklessly and killed George Floyd. That doesn't make him a racist and makes him a bad cop and technically a murderer. That, is, that doesn't mean it's racial, as so many people told us, which is exactly what's happening with Tyree Nichols. It was a, it was horrific what happened to him. Those five officers are, as far as I'm concerned, murderers and should be prosecuted as such. But to tie this into white supremacy and systemic racism, that that, that is so damaging to the discourse of the conversation because what you have right now is a media and politicians and Hollywood and entertainment telling people if you're white, you're privileged and you're an oppressor. If you're black, you're a victim and you've been among the oppressed. That creates a very vulnerable society because you either feel like, wow, I'm awful. I should have white guilt. My ancestors are the reason this country is the way it is. And the other side, you have black people being told to resent their white counterparts that all of these industries and systems are rigged against them. The end result of that is more riots and protests and buildings burned and murder. Um, just two weeks ago, Jamel Hill appeared at Vanderbilt University a bunch in front of several young black students and told them, by design, the police system is not to protect you, but to hurt you. So she is instilling fear among young black men to take matters in their own hand, to act unlawfully because the police don't have their best interests at hand. And damn, there's no proof of that. Um, a, a study from Free Beacon found that the media covers a white killer at a seven to one ratio of a black killer. So the press, when a white person kills someone, they put it at the forefront of their website or their newspaper. When a black person kills someone, they bury it. So again, that's the manipulation of the conversation, the, the suppression of free messaging and speech, because what they're telling people is, this is happening and this is not happening. But if you look at the actual statistics, they're both happening. So we're being divided by racial lines so the people at the top, whether it be 
news anchors or Democratic politicians or billionaires, they sit in their suites while the rest of the country goes out in the streets and tries to make up for what they're told is a racial injustice. And there's just no proof of that. Bobby, appreciate you, man. That's great stuff. Keep doing your thing. I love having you on the show. Appreciate it, Dan. That's Bobby Barak. Bobby is America's conscious, and he's America's conscious because he does he does articles like this. He takes the heat for doing articles like this, and he's unafraid. And, you know, so many times in our media, what do we get, man? We get dudes that are just putting it as best they can. We had our guy at the Indy Star, who's like a national writer of the year, a lily white guy named Greg Doyle, called Tony Dungy ignorant when it came to life matters. Now think about that for a second. Of course he had no problem. Of course the, the editors of the Star did not care. I mean, they don't care. He's, he's their guy. Without Doyle, the Star doesn't exist. But this is the kind of stupidity that we get into. Now, having said that, let's stay in Indianapolis. Uh, the Indianapolis Colts are going to hire Shane Strenchen. And here's the deal. If they don't hire this man, which it appears that all they have to do is let the ink dry. If it, let me back up. If I were coming into a new organization, if I were coming into an organization where I had one established quarterback, and let's be honest, Nick Foles and, and Sam Ellinger, no. Matt Ryan, yes. It would be like going to Atlanta. You know, basically, you got Patrick Mahomes there. I think the first thing that I would do if I were the new Colts coach is try to see if I can salvage anything about Matt Ryan. In fact, as an offensive coordinator, as this guy was going back uh, this past year, he was offensive coordinator, Philadelphia Eagles. And if he has been in talks for this job, then he should have already done that. He should see, can I salvage this? Because you know what? There's no guarantee that your fourth pick is going to bring you a Patrick Mahomes or a savior-type quarterback. People think it might. You know, they do. Maybe you move up. I don't know, but I do know this. I do know this, and if I look at, I look at the Colts or any team, and I watched the Super Bowl last night, the first thing I'm doing is getting my quarterback situation set. The second thing I'm doing is finding weapons. You can have all the other stuff. I am finding weapons. Kadarius Tony, where the hell did that come from? Next thing you know, he's returning a punt longest in the history of the Super Bowl. Next thing you know, he's walking it in on a touchdown. Uh, Pachenko, sixth, seventh round pick. I am finding weapons. So, my advice, Shane Steichen, find yourself some weapons. All right, we got stock up. And stock down. By the way, the greatest story in the Super Bowl, Jennifer, you'll love this, was Nick Allegretti the night before the Super Bowl. Nick Allegretti, son of Carl. Carl and I played Little League baseball against each other. He hit the longest home run in the history of Junedale Little League off me in the championship series. I was 10, he was 12. Carl was a monster. But anyway, Carl and his wife FaceTimed the birth to Nick, who was at the team hotel. It's a great story. Outkick wrote a fantastic article. Carl's been a longtime family friend. The Allegherity family in Northwest Indiana is among the most respected. And Carl's going to join us, the proud new papa. So we start stock up with stock up Carl Allegretti. Uh, stock up, DeMar Hamlin back at the Super Bowl. Serious business. How good was that? 
I mean, of all the things that we saw, that right there, DeMar Hamlin getting the love of not only fans, but of the first responders or the people that responded on the field was absolutely a stock-up moment. It was huge. It was enormous. It was one of the best scenes, and it looked real to me. You could see some of the uh, EMTs were so proud to be able to shake his hand, so proud to be able to give him a hug, and you could see, you know, Hamlin was just taken aback by the whole thing. And then there was a shot of Kelsey's mom, Hamlin, and Roger Goodell, which I'm sure was scripted. I don't know if I'm sitting there and I'm DeMar Hamlin. I want to sit with the commissioner and Kelsey's mom. But, hey, look, I digress. Maybe he did. I don't know. But that was a hell of a stock up to me. Stock up. Nick Allegretti. Nick Allegretti having twins before the Super Bowl. We're going to talk to the proud grandpa coming up here tomorrow or in, uh, in about 10 minutes. My friend Carl and what that was all like and what it's like being a dad of a two-time Super Bowl champ, which his son is. Kid played at Illinois. He's out of a suburb of Illinois. Uh, but anyway, long story short, his wife gave birth to twins the night before the Super Bowl. And you know, because, and look, he's an Allegretti, which means he's a family first guy. You know that Nick wanted to be there. You know that Nick was dying, that he couldn't be there uh, for the birth of his twins. But hey, look, good for Nick Allegretti, man, and good for the whole Allegretti family. Joe and Annette Allegretti, the great-grandparents now, awesome people, fantastic uh, family up in our hometown of Maryville, Indiana, man. Just great people. So happy for him. My wife, Lee, stock up. My wife, Lee, has been saying for years, those of you that listen to our show know this. My wife, Lee, has been saying, look, there's aliens are coming. There's aliens. There's White Walkers if you watch Game of Thrones. And, of course... That's right. She knows they're coming. She knows what's coming. She said it forever. I told her the other day, I go, you know, you've always talked about, you know, white walkers coming, not ghosts. What are those things called that, you know, they, they die and then they come on? You've always talked about that. And I've always thought you were, you know, out of your freaking mind first for marrying me and then for that. But then I look at it and I'm like, wait a second here. Hold on a second. The dawn of the dead may be coming. The dawn of the dead may be here. Honest to God. The dawn of the dead, I, I don't know. The zombie apocalypse may be here. She's always said there's going to be a zombie apocalypse. She's always said there's going to be aliens at some point. We watched those shows, right, about Roswell, New Mexico, and how the government is covered up and how presidents know uh, the... <laughs> <laughs> but it's incredibly classified, the whole USO, UFO phenomenon in the United States. And now, all of a sudden, we're busting up four different objects in eight days here in the United States. Ladies and gentlemen, Ucha Capesta, my eyes are burning. My wife might be absolutely right. I don't know if I can handle it. If, if a zombie apocalypse come, I, I told her, I said, I don't know. It's a zombie apocalypse but I'm going to go steal the best marble from somewhere in Italy and I'm going to build a statue to you for being the only person that ever believed it truly and now it's coming true. But I swear to God, we are moving to an area where the zombie apocalypse and freaking White Walkers and aliens are going to be here and I don't know what the hell to do about it. 
Uh, when you're right, you're right. I already talked about stock down. I already talked about the New Mexico State basketball program in my lifetime. And it's been a long lifetime. I have never heard of a basketball program being shut down in the middle of the season over, quote, hazing. Now, this all started with a murder on campus. This all started with, well, uh, some incredibly stupid, stupid actions in hiring coaches from Chipola Junior College. Like, if you're that stupid, then ladies and gentlemen, yeah, you get what you deserve. New Mexico State has canceled uh, after reviewing a police report that cited three players of false imprisonment, harassment, and counts of criminal sexual conduct contact against a teammate. The report uh, detailed the victim telling investigators three members of the team held the victim down, removed his clothes, exposed his buttocks, slapped his buttocks, went to state that they got involved with his scrotum. It was a three-on-one type of thing. What are we doing? Honest to God, why are we whole, why do guys decide that ass play is good in a locker room? What are we doing? Now, this came three months after M, uh, New Mexico State forward shot and killed a University of New Mexico student in what police called self-defense. These are separate incidents. After the shooting, Hyatt told his team to leave town and return to campus, even though local police had asked to speak with three New Mexico State players. I'm telling you, you hire these guys. Jans and, and, and this guy higher and all these guys from Chipola Junior College and you get crap. I'm not surprised at all. But what is about the, the, the booty play with guys? I remember way back uh, 10 years ago, Carmel High School, right here, Rich White High School. They had a thing on a bus. There was all kind of rumors. One of the dads came on my show and You know, he wouldn't say it was typical horseplay. It never occurred to me that I want to hold one of my teammates down, grab his crotch, slap him on the backside, and I don't know what else they're doing. I, but when you hire idiots, they recruit idiots, and idiots do stupid things. It's just what they do. Joe Biden. Stock down. Why? Because he's Joe freaking Biden. Joe Biden hasn't told us a thing about anything going on. We got a, we got a deal over in Palestine, uh, Ohio, where all kind of bad stuff is killing animals. We got this idiot. Look at those eyes and tell me he's not out of his mind. Uh, this clown, uh, whoever's tweeting for him, is acting like he's the second coming of an actual president. And all he does is keep us all in the dark. Won't, ask you que- won't answer questions about his documents. I don't really blame him for that. I mean, he's caught red-handed. He's trying to pin it on staff or sloppy paper. And, and, and the staff around him, which includes the Washington Post and New York Times and all media outlets. We'll just go along with this idiot because this guy hates America. He hates all of us. He's all about his oligarchy power and will not do anything, anything 
to help the American people. He will tell you he is. He will tell you inflation was here when he got here, when it was at 1.7%. It went as high as 8 Now it's at 4.7%. He will tell you gas prices have been brought down when they're still over a buck and a half more than when he got into office. He will tell you all these things. The media will follow it. And guess what? He'll lie. If he's opening his crazy-ass mouth with those crazy-ass eyes, he's lying. You know he's lying. We know he's lying. But these clowns in the media, because everybody's got this agenda, is lying. And by the way, I don't give a damn about Mia Kimes' new contract. What, what is that? What does she add to anything? Ah. Instant replay. Stock down. Instant replay. I got nothing for you. You talk to officials. Well, I just want to get it right, Dan. Yeah, pull this. It plays jingle bells. Here's the deal. Officials are missing more calls than ever. There's a bunch of reasons for that. I told you about the NFL. I told you that the NFL wanted to get rid of basically older guys, get younger, get more diverse. You know the deal. And when you do that, guess what? The level of competency falls. And no matter what Roger Goodell says, the officiating of the NFL stinks, period. Stinks. That's all I got for you for that. Now, here's also the deal. Instant replay puts doubt in officials. Mine, instant replay puts people in a position as referees where they know that, hey, look, I can either rely on instant replay or they know that, you know what, I'm going to get cooked here for instant replay, so I might as well make this call even if it's 50-50. And don't even at me about it. I don't want to hear about it because this is what officials say. I talk to them all the time. When I was working at ESPN, I would sit in the lobby with him. I would sit at breakfast with him. Bo Borowski and a bunch of other dudes were just great friends, and we would hang out. Just stop. There are certain things you just nod your head when Double D speaks, and when I'm speaking about officials, uh, just go, you're right. I'm not even going to argue. When I'm speaking about instant replay and officials, just nod your head and go, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. Best story in the Super Bowl, Nick Allegretti. Nick Allegretti having twins the night before. His dad, Carl, FaceTimed the birth with his son. Very cool. Carl and I grew up, went to the same grade school, went to the same high school. Carl was a big, strong badass who threatened to fight an entire team in my defense when I made six errors almost in a row at Salesian Prep which was the home, I think, of a Supreme Court justice. Now, was it at Salesian Prep or was it at that Lalamere Academy? I think it was Lalamere Academy, home of uh, Justice Roberts, who might have been playing in the game. So Carl Allegretti has always been a hero of mine. His son, Nick, number 73 for the uh, Kansas City Chiefs, just won his second Super Bowl. You see it right there. Tom Pelissero, uh has the tweet. It's awesome. We're so excited for the Allegretti's because every single human being alive knows the Allegretti's in Northwest Indiana, and every single human being alive knows that the Allegretti family is one of, if not the best families in that area. All right, Christina gave birth. We'll talk to uh, happy grandpa next, hopefully. We'll be right back. Got to take a short break here. We are rolling with Don't At Me, and you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. You know, there are people that are legends, and they're not always in sports or TV. When, when Carl Allegretti speaks in the financial world, Carl Allegretti is listened to. Uh, my man is in, like, every single 
Hall of Fame that there could be, whether it's College found the Football Foundation Hall of Fame, Andrean Hall of Fame, I mean, which is the big one, of course. Uh, Carl Allegretti is the arguably the most respected person uh, in the greater Chicagoland area, and I'm being very serious about this. I knew him when he was hitting towering home runs off me in championship games at Dale Little League or when he was – taking on an entire team when I was at shortstop making errors and he was in left field. He was going to beat up a team because they were getting on my ass. But Carl's son, Nick, last night uh, wins a Super Bowl. But, Carl, that's not the best thing that happened to Nick this weekend. Hey, Danny, first thing I want to do is whenever I get introduced, I'm going to have you do my introduction. Okay. <laughs> awesome, yeah. and thank you for the yeah. compliment. So, no, yesterday was a pretty exciting day for the Allegretti family. When, you're, when your son can win a Super Bowl, his second Super Bowl, and it's not the best thing that happens to him, uh, it's an incredible day because he gave, uh, he became a father of twin girls at 4 a.m. Super Bowl uh, Sunday. And then he went to bed, got up, went to the stadium, and won his second ring. We had to get the second ring because he's now got two girls, right? <laughs> All right, walk me through. Four o'clock in the morning, what happens? You guys are in uh, Arizona. What's going on? So, Danny, you and I grew up together. You know that no phone call that comes in the middle of the night is ever good, right? So at a, <laughs> at a quarter to four in the morning, my wife and I are in bed, and the phone rings. I said, uh-oh, this is not good news. So it, it is uh, Nikki's mother-in-law, Jennifer, who's done just an incredible job taking care of uh her daughter, well, Nikki's been down here in Arizona. We've been down here. So she said, Christina's in labor. We can't get a hold of Nikki. Can you find him? We're staying in the team hotel. But, Danny, you probably know the players are secluded. I mean, we didn't even know where Nikki was staying. And uh, Nikki sleeps like a rock. Uh, Super Bowl Sunday, nobody could get a hold of him. So we're contacting the, the guys that we know on the team, trying to find Nick, and finally, Chris, Christina just wanted to talk to Nikki before she had the babies. Okay, that's it. So they finally tracked him down. He sent me a text. He said, hey, Pops, I'm going down to the lobby. You want to pace with me? So here we are. It's a <laughs> surreal moment. It's Super Bowl Sunday. It's third in four years, and we're pacing in the lobby at the Hyatt in Scottsdale, waiting for the call. Um, you know, it's pre they were premature, but Listen, they're uh, they're Nikki's kids. Uh, Nikki's 6'5", 320. They came out over five pounds, both of them, and uh, healthy, breathing, ornery, just like he is, and ready to rock and roll in life. So that was the morning. All right. Um, when were the when were the twins expected, Carl? Um, you know what. I, she was at 34 weeks, Danny, and I don't know. I'm not a doctor. I don't know what's going on. So I think they wanted her to go to 38. Okay, so a little bit early, but like I said, the, the babies came out big and healthy. The lungs are good. Uh, he is flying back to Kansas City today, and we're going to get him home to Chicago tonight. She was in Kansas City up until last week, and then we flew her home on um, – Thursday. So we got her stabilized. Now he'll walk in tonight and see uh, baby A and baby B. No names yet. Uh, his wife is awesome. They were high school sweethearts. 
And uh, she said, listen, Nikki's missed enough. We're not naming these girls until he gets here. So it's 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 really, really cool. Baby A and baby B. A and B are healthy, Danny. Your, your son um, has one of the greatest smiles ever. Like, he has one of the most distinctive smiles. Every time I see him, Carl... When the babies were born, you get the news. Give me the reaction between you and your son. You know, he was on the late night show the other night, and they said uh, the Kansas City Chief player that's most likely to be smiling and crying at the same time. And that's exactly what he, right. he was doing. Uh, right. he's, uh, he's a big, lovable kid. He's everything that you would imagine in an offensive lineman. And, uh, Danny, you probably know the story. Nikki. Nikki had to grow up at a, at a really early age. Uh, his older brother was diagnosed with cancer when uh, he was 13 and Nikki was 10. So no kid should have to go through this. Fortunately, his brother's now 30 years old at Notre Dame Law School. They're best friends. Uh, his brother called him at, right after the babies were born. So you know what? Nikki, Nikki is, he was in tears. He's going to be an awesome dad. Uh, and it's going to be fun to watch. Fun to, you could not you write the script, man. No. So, uh, 4 o'clock, you get with Nick. What time were the babies born? Uh, I, I think, so we got the call quarter till. They were both done by 10 to 5, man. <laughs> he would probably be back in bed by uh, 5.15 and ready to go. Got, a, got, got some sleep. They did not have to leave for the stadium till uh, – I think 11 o'clock or noon, got a couple hours of sleep, went to uh, State Farm Stadium, won his ring, and I think he went to bed probably 4 a.m. again. Yeah, that was going to ask. Yeah, you sent me the picture uh, on the field after the Super Bowl. What what happens after a Super Bowl win? What, what You're on the field, all right, and then what, does everybody go to a big party? What, what happens, uh, Carl? So uh, we've been to three Super Bowls. It's not fun to lose, first of all. So we were at Super Bowl 55, no. not a lot of fun. 54 in Miami, 55 here. They uh, they give passes to the family to go down to the field. That's surreal. And then we went back to the, the team hotel, and we had a party till about four, 3 in the morning, 4 in the morning. His, his best friend from college, Danny, we're here that he played football with at Illinois. So they were here. His agent was here. I hung out with him for a couple hours. And then I said, okay, mom, you and I are going to bed and we're going to let him celebrate with his friends. And uh, he did. And I have not heard from him yet, but there's a picture of him uh, before every game when he warms up, he does his wrestling move. He was a great high school wrestler. Uh, he warms up with the, in his wrestling stance and, a lot of drills, and before the game yesterday, Mike Golick came up to him. Mike, Mike and his brother were big wrestlers, so he said, "What the hell are you doing?" He said, "This is my warm-up routine, Mr. Golick." <laughs> um, when when you and when Nick was coming up, I remember being in Frankfurt doing a basketball camp. And for people that don't know, like Carl Allegretti in Frankfurt built a stadium. I mean, it, I think it's Allegretti Stadium, isn't it? It should be. If it's not, I don't. I don't know. But <coughs> football, football. You played at Butler. You're studded, Andre. And here's your. It's always been a big deal. Football has always been part of the Allegretti DNA. 
So, you know, sports made us, Danny. You and I grew up, you mentioned Junedale Little League. We grew up in an incredible part of the country with guys that stay connected like you and I and hardworking kids, families, uh, kids that, that grew up playing sports, okay? Now, you and I played it. Yeah, we played at Junedale, but we played at Junedale when it wasn't organized. And you try to tell a kid today, well, we're going to play pitcher's hands out. Right field up. What the <laughs> hell are they talking about? <laughs> what is that? No uniforms? <laughs> no treats after the games? No. We're playing pickup games. But sports has always been a big part of my life, and I've been fortunate. So in 2004, I started uh, the Frankfurt Falcons, raised a bunch of money. We did build a stadium. Um, at one point in time, I had 800 kids playing football, uh, cheering from kindergarten up to eighth grade. And the game made me. Sports made you, Danny. So you know what? You got to give back. And it, it it's an interesting time for kids to be growing up. And they need to be doing something. Football is what I'm passionate about. So I raised a bunch of money. Uh, Nick was the first guy to make the NFL. But I've had kids play Big Ten, Notre Dame, other schools across the country. And to see them. Football, sports, it's a means to an end. So that's what I did. Well, I got, I got to tell you, uh, last thing before I let you go, Carl. Um, Kansas City Chiefs, you, you played, you, you've managed hundreds, thousands of people as CEO. What, what is it about the Kansas City Chiefs culture, Andy Reid, the, the general man? What, what is it about that you see from a business standpoint that makes it work the way it does. You know, uh, Nikki's been blessed. It's a great organization. <clears throat> Dan, Nikki's going to be our age one day, and he's going to be talking about being in a huddle with Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. They're going to the Hall of Fame, right? Speaking of Hall of Fame. Being coached by Andy Reid. Uh, Andy Reid is going into the Hall of Fame. Uh, and I don't know other organizations. This is a really, really good organization. They know Brett Beach knows how to draft kids and get the best out of them. And Nikki was a late round draft choice out of the University of Illinois that didn't win a lot of games, but they saw something in this this hardworking kid and he got there. And it's not easy when you're a late round draft choice. You got to fight, right? And he did, and they gave him a shot. Four great years. We'll see what happens now. When Brett Beach called them, here's a great quote: uh, Draft day, 2019. He would get calls throughout the day. He was getting depressed. It wasn't coming. And he would get a call from a team when they talk about free agency. We want to sign you as a free agent. Okay. Brett Beach called him up. And Nikki left the room. And all we heard was, I can do that, sir. And the question that Brett Beach asked him on the phone was, hey, Nick, how would you like to block for Patrick Mahomes? I can do that, sir. <laughs> and they put Andy Reid on the phone. <laughs> and uh, you know what? It, uh, we've been blessed with this ride. Uh, it, it's been a lot of fun watching him. We don't go to all the games because it's his job. It is his job. And everybody wants to hang out with him after the game. We were at a preseason game this year, and we had dinner at his house in KC. The next thing I know, uh, he's on his iPad watching game films. So you have to respect that he's, he's a man. He's married. He's got responsibilities. It's fun for everybody to go to game and have dinner and drinks with them after the game. He's got to go to work the next day. So we clear. 
we get, hey, we want to go to the Bills game. We want to go to the Bengals game. He says, sure, come on down. But then we also have to realize, okay, he's got to go to work the next day. But we were here this weekend, Danny. And we were there at every game in the playoffs. And it's been a lot of fun. Two Super Bowl rings, three appearances. Um, last year in the playoffs, he caught a touchdown pass from Patrick Mahomes. Dan, you don't see a lot of that from offensive linemen. <laughs> Usually we get um, false start number 73, holding number 73, <laughs> illegal man downfield numbers. But touchdown Allegretti? Nah. <laughs> that doesn't happen, man. That's almost like shutting down Michael Jordan like you did. That's something that he'll be talking about for a long time. Man, where's that football? Where's the touchdown Allegretti football? But you know what? The other cool thing is these are all young men, Dan. And the thing about sports is people don't understand it. There's a there's a special group. And so Nikki spiked the ball and he spiked it. <laughs> Boom, it went flying. McKinnon went and got that ball. I mean, he flew off the field and got that ball to make sure Nikki had it, gave it to Nikki, and uh, Mahomes signed it. And then sitting in his home in Downers Grove, Christina, his wife, high school sweethearts, they bought a home in Downers Grove last year. They need a place uh, of stability. So that's where they're making their home, which makes grandma really, really happy. Uh, and I just roll with the punches, Dan. Hard to imagine our parents are becoming great grandparents, Carl. Hard to imagine. You know what? They're blessed. We're blessed that, uh, you know what? You know, some are able to see this, so it's awesome. Tell your mom I said yeah. hello. I tell yours I said hello. Tell, tell your mom and dad. Hey, Carl, thanks, man. I appreciate you coming on. Tell Nick congratulations. People he doesn't know are so proud uh, of him and your family. And thanks for coming on, my friend. I know it's a short night. Danny, uh, I'm proud of what you've accomplished. When you asked me to come on, I'm honored to be on. And uh, if Nick ends up in uh, Indianapolis, we'll have dinner at St. Elmo's because I know Chuck, the bartender, very well. We played at Butler together. So go Chiefs, man. Let's get that arrowhead chopped out. Okay, thanks, guys. Okay, bye-bye. Thanks, Carl. That's Carl Allegretti. Bring Nick Allegretti to Indy. Damn it. We need that kind of mentality. Indianapolis needs a toughness and an Allegretti always. I'm telling you, Carl, you can see right there, uh, CEO of Arthur Anderson. I mean, he is one of, if not the greatest people you will ever meet, but he's no greater than his dad, Joe Allegretti, or his mom, Annette Allegretti. I mean, we're talking about great people here. <clears throat> we're talking about great, great, great people. Uh, all right, speaking of not-so-great people, uh, Wokadope me. What do we got for the Wokadope? We got anything going on? Yeah, I saw this, and this gives me gas, all right? I have no idea what's been in our skies recently. Is this like, but I do know that I'm thankful we have President Biden in office. Now, let me ask you a question about this. He's competent, level-headed, and I trust him to do whatever it is that, are, are you serious? So this guy is 20 years old, typical Democrat, big, big, big uh, TikTok guy. Why do we care? Uh, why, why do we care? Um, and we pay attention to these people 
But he just, I don't know, it, it, it kind of sickens you when people, you, you, no, it doesn't. Everybody's entitled to their own opinion. And this guy is certainly entitled to his own opinion. That, that, let's just do that. I'm just going to say that. Let's just do that. All right. Good for you, Harry Sisson. Yay, Rod. Go on TikTok and be a little TikToker. Um, coming up this week, we're going to get into a lot of college basketball with college basketball. Four weeks away is all that Selection Sunday is. And if we're going to talk real quick about a little bit of college basketball, I would be remiss to remind you that my Indiana Hoosiers are rocking and rolling, and they started rocking and rolling when? Well, they started rocking and rolling when I got all over the coach for being lazy, when I got all over the assistants for not coaching. Now, all of a sudden, I'm watching. I'm watching what's going on in uh, at Michigan, Indiana against Michigan. Assistant coaches are up, and they're talking, and they're going, and it's insane. Really? Isn't it amazing that if you get off your backside and you do a little coaching, uh, it might just work out for you, particularly when you have real talent. And ladies and gentlemen, Indiana University has real talent, not fake talent, not kind of sort of maybe talent, real talent. I mean, the kind of talent that can win you a national championship, that kind of talent. So I get it. Purdue, same thing. But Purdue's always going to be coached. But I got to tell you something, you coaches out there, and I know there's a lot of coaches that watch this show. If you want to see something, if you want to see how to defend the post, watch what Chris Collins did yesterday. Watch what Chris Collins did yesterday where he double teamed, uh, I would say Travis Eady. What? Uh, Zach Eady so strong that Eady couldn't get out of it. Eady is not equipped. Somebody needs to talk about this on TV. When he's doubled, he can't back it out with a dribble relieve pressure. He's not good enough to do that for all of his talent. So Chris Collins, man, they smashed him. Eady started turning it over. It was a heck of a coaching job yesterday by Chris Collins. I'm not going to lie to you. It was really, really good. It was really good. And look, Purdue, they did. They threw the ball away late, but that happens on the road. The fans, um, the fans of <coughs> excuse me, Northwestern were awesome. Absolutely freaking awesome. And there you go. That was the day in college basketball, or the weekend in college basketball, at least for me. Get off my friend Chris Holtman's backside. Get off him. I don't want to hear about it. Uh, yes, Michigan, uh, excuse me, Ohio State is struggling but I don't want to hear about it. Okay, you guys need a I, – I, I just want a ton of money this weekend. No, I'm not going to lie to you. I want a ton. Uh, today's slate of games is not great, all right? And I don't like North Carolina, but I'm going to end up taking them. I'm going to take North Carolina on the money line <coughs> – excuse me – to beat Miami. And I'm going to take Baylor – to beat West Virginia. Now, that is two favorites. This is how I've made money. We made about 1500 bucks over the weekend. We doubled down on Kansas City during the Super Bowl. We got them plus six and a half at halftime. That was stolen money, particularly when I realized that Kansas City was getting the ball first. Okay, so tonight I am going to take, and I don't like it, but I'm going to take it. 
I don't think that North Carolina is very tough. I don't think North Carolina, I think they played a great game against Clemson, and I don't think this Carolina team is good enough to come back, but I'm going to take them over Miami of Florida, a very tough team, and I'm going to take Baylor over Texas Tech. I'm going to take those two teams to win tonight. Uh, Baylor over West Virginia, excuse me. I'm betting $104 to win $100. So basically, I'm going to double my money. Those of you that don't believe me that I'm on fire, good on you, but we are absolutely 1,000% on fire. Patrick Holmes named the Super Bowl MVP. The idea that Patrick Holmes is not a Hall of Famer right now is ludicrous. If Patrick Holmes never played another football game, Patrick Holmes would be in the Hall of Fame, period. Period. Don't at me about it. Last thing, I'm catching a little bit of grief because I said that the Super Bowl halftime was awful. I'm sorry, my opinion, Super Bowl halftime, awful. If you're a performer, perform. You know, you're pregnant, you're out there in a big orange deal. I want to see people, look at this, I want to see people perform. I want to see people moving, shaking, dancing. I love when Prince or Michael Jackson got going. Bruno Mars, somebody with some talent displaying that talent, not looking uncomfortable. Whoever put this together, I don't know why. Are we going back to Satan-type stuff? Is that what we're doing? My God. That was God-awful. The side things, people lifting up, all great. Wonderful, yay, Rob. But the performance was horse bleep. I don't care what anybody says. And I don't want to hear about Jalen Rose should have, or Jalen Hurts should have been the MVP, co-MVP. No. There you go. Look at that. That was the Super Bowl halftime show. Hey, don't blame us, people. Don't call us racist. That's NFL Mims. There you go. <coughs> this is awesome. Keep them coming. <laughs> oh, how good is that? How good are Ryan and Dylan? Yeah, baby. Man, I I understand. I understand every white guy's got to say it was a great Super Bowl. My son was killing me yesterday. Dad, you're just an old fat guy. All right. Okay. You're just an old, bald, angry guy. Okay. All right. Okay. If you say so, I'm anything but angry. Yes, I'm bald. Yes, I'm fat. Yes, I'm beating the crap out of COVID or COVID is beating the crap out of me. But I got to tell you something. I ain't angry. Last thing, watched Maverick the other night. Pretty good. Pretty, pretty, pretty good. First time I saw it. Uh, I got into the tequila a little bit. You know, you get COVID and you're feeling like crap and you're just laying around. Finally, I said, I'm tired of feeling like crap. My buddy supplies me with hiatus tequila. It's the tequila made by the folks that own St. Elmo's here in Indy. So next thing you know, I'm sitting there. I'm like, Lee, I'm going to pour me a big glass of tequila and let's go watch a movie. Long story short, I started feeling good for the first time in a month. Felt like a month, actually three or four days. Next thing you know, I had a little more. Top Gun got better. Tequila shall set you free, baby. I think this... Forget about Ivectrin. Forget about drinking bleach. Forget about all these shots. Drink tequila. Solve COVID. That's what I did. 
And I woke up yesterday and Lee's like, how you feeling? I go, you know, I can't decide if I'm hungover or I'm still sick. Turns out I was still sick. Yeah, I didn't feel hungover. I didn't drink that much. I just drank enough where I got not feeling horrible. But anyway, next time you're on what you think is your deathbed, drink tequila. And hiatus tequila is pretty good. I should get them to sponsor the show. I do a billboard on Post Road and uh, Pendleton Pike that they didn't pay me for. It's for a liquor store. They pay me in tequila. They do. (laughs) Anyway, now we got is Travis Kelsey, the greatest tight end ever. Is Andy Reid on the Mount Rushmore of coaches? Yes to everything. Yes, what's coming up tomorrow? Coming up tomorrow, Tuesday. I don't know, but I know this. It'll be good. I think I'm on today with the fellas at OutKick 360. I think I'm on at 3.30, 3.20 Eastern time. If I am, join me. If I'm not, join them. It's pretty simple. Have a wonderful afternoon. Carl Allegretti, Bobby Barak, awesome. Jonathan Hutton, fantastic. Great show today, Ryan and Dylan. Great show today, uh, Haley. Great show today, Chuck and Corey and Aaron and whoever else I miss. I apologize. I'm not drinking tequila, but I need some water because my throat is dry. I hope everybody has a great afternoon. You don't care about that. We'll be right. We'll see you tomorrow.